welcome everyone to yet another episode of uh, I guess just annoyed now um, today I am joined by my good buddy Mike who actually officiated my wedding last year which was almost a year ago so uh, Mike thank you for joining me and um, yeah why don't you tell tell everybody a little bit about yourself movie specific slant what's your favorite movie director all that kind of shit uh, thanks for having me, Jackson. I've been looking forward to this. Uh, I know we've been talking about this for a while. I'm a, I'm a fan of the show, and I'm a fan of you. Uh, I love movies. I don't, I don't think. I think uh, I get deep into my specific rabbit holes. Uh, I think you're much far, far, far reaching than me. Um, you have a bigger depth of knowledge, uh, but I love movies, man. And, you know, Christopher Nolan is just someone it's like such like a it's such a fucking white boy cop out. But it's true. I mean, I just love his movies so much. Yeah, you uh, I wish I could have gotten you on with a home to talk about Dunkirk because he's not a Dunkirk fan. I like I like Dunkirk. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I've had to defend like I thought Dunkirk was uh, was better than 1917. Um, I know that's probably an unpopular opinion. But I didn't see 1917, but I know that's like it's like the one shot, the, yes. the one continuous shot, right? Yeah, and it's really good. It's really yeah, good. Yeah, I, I heard it's good, but like the continuous shot, I feel like is such a meme. Like, because remember, uh, it was uh, True Detective season one, right? Uh, and there's that famous long take and then you had daredevil season one there's that famous like eight minute long shot i think they did that in every season of daredevil actually yeah they had uh the last the last season they actually had a pretty cool one too but yeah they did they did but i just love how now it's like well let's just make a whole movie yeah where it's one take well there was uh there was birdman a few years ago too where it was like the simulated one shot deal which is the same thing they do in 1917 you know they'll cleverly have an actor like walk behind like a big rock or you know something and then that's where you know it actually cut right there's a cut yeah but um but yeah happy to have you on i know uh you have a wealth of knowledge as far as fiction goes so i know you read a shitload um and i think this is the perfect television show that we're going to talk about today but uh but yeah let's go ahead and start the show So yeah, as far as movie news is concerned, I didn't prepare at all. Uh, That's typically where we start here. So I'm actually, uh, this is the benefit of having a computer in front of me. Um, I do get to just look up the latest movie news in front of me. So um, let's see. Oh, Empire Strikes Back tops the box office for the first time in over two decades. So that's fun. (laughs) Um, And let's see, is there anything worth talking about? Probably not. Oh, I know Hamilton released on Disney Plus this week, and you said you had a chance to watch that, correct? Yeah, I just saw it for the first time. And how how was it? Friday. I loved it, man. Yeah. Uh, and I don't really like musicals all right. that much. Uh, I thought it. I think it's the musical now, based on my. It's yeah. it's like a live. Um, it's it's basically the Broadway show. They just filmed it, right? It's not like a movie or anything, right? Okay. No, no, it is. It's pretty much. It's a recording of a Broadway show, and there is limited camera work. Okay. But there is some. 
which I thought was kind of interesting, actually, like the moments where they decided to do stuff with the camera. Okay. Right. But they were pretty like conservative with that. Like you had like, like really emotional moments. You might get a cut or like a zoom in of whoever's singing. Um, and so that was noticeable, but I thought the way they handled it, I think they handled it rather well. Cause if you're going to record a play or you're going to record a live performance, you should just let the live performance stand on its own. Yeah. And it's like the original cast and everything. I've heard it's really good. It's basically, I mean, it's a historical musical about Alexander Hamilton, but the characters are all played by different, you know, they're not all just white people. Is that basically the, the gist? That's basically the gist of it, yeah. And it's this really cool fusion of, like, most of the cast are people of color. And sure. obviously, everyone that they're covering is mostly, like, white men and right. white women from back in the day. Um, so that that's, I thought that was, I thought that was a really cool idea. Um, and if you haven't seen it, I would encourage you to watch it, Jackson, because it's, I, uh, it's, a, it's amazing. We're right? meaning to watch it. Um, I want to go see it. You know what I mean? Like I want to go see it live somewhere, but it just hasn't worked out. Uh, I, I actually am a fan of like pretty much every like Broadway thing I've seen. I've seen like the Lion King was good. Wicked was pretty good. Um, actually, uh, what's the one with the plant that eats people? Little Shop little, of Horrors. Little Shop of that Horrors, shit yeah. was great, dude. I, I, I I've never seen Little shit. Shop of Horrors. I saw Wicked and... Wicked was fine. Yeah. Uh, but I, this is, uh, you should watch it and we should talk about it. Yeah. Cause it's, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible. It's yeah. Pretty I like incredible. Uh, Lynn Manuel Miranda. He was great on Curb Your Enthusiasm too. Dude, so. dude I, I can't even <laughs> like to be Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're like, he's like 42 or whatever. And he's like worth $80 million. And he like writes the, the, the most lauded contemporary musical. And he's just, it's just nothing but net dude. Yeah. He's just like crushing life. Yeah. What's his follow-up going to be? You know, I, or he probably already has something that nobody, cause that's the tough thing is like when you start with something like that, that's just, you know, what do you do? You know what I mean? I mean, he could just ride that wave for probably the next 30 years, you know? Yes. I mean, he doesn't have to work again in a day. He doesn't have to work another day in his life for sure. But I know he's been doing some Disney stuff. I think he did. All, I think he did the music for Moana. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Oh, I've never and seen that. Moana's good. Yeah. I watch it with my nieces and nephews like Christmas and it was very entertaining. So, dude, I feel like a lot of the kids' movies nowadays are way better than they used to be. Like ever since Pixar and shit started rolling stuff out, I feel like I know. Just I know about. you're a big Paddington Bear oh, fan. Yeah. So, I, have I, you seen I Paddington? I have not. Oh, I have not. I have not. Oh, <laughs> stop it! You'll make me cry just talking about it. It's amazing. Love Paddington. I'll, I'll add it. I'll add it to the list. Paddington yeah. and Paddington Two, man, yeah, they're Paddington both too. great. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But Judge, um Paddington do Judgment Day. Let's let's talk about the one that we already started arguing about uh, via what? text. Uh The Monster. So oh, yeah. before we jump into dark, <laughs> uh I'm doing a new thing on the show where every week I'm going to try to find some movie that I don't think people have really seen, right? And I haven't seen either. Um, so last week it was this movie or last episode, I should say, I know it's been a couple weeks. It was this Belgian movie, the treatment, which reminded me a lot of prisoners. Um, it was great, horribly hard to watch. One of the most disgusting things I've ever watched, but it was really good this week. It. 
and you loved it. Yeah, it was really good, man. Even though, I mean, it was like, dude, you have to take a shower when you're done with it. It's disgusting. But this week, it was, uh, I'm a big fan of A24. I saw a random comment, like, in a Facebook group or something where somebody said, oh, the monster, A24. And I'm like, oh, shit, I've never heard of this. How did this, like, pass by me? I didn't hear about this. So it's on Netflix. So uh, that was what I picked was the monster. Um, and, Mike, what did you think of the monster? I thought, I thought the monster was horrible, horrible movie. I thought it was, I thought it was fucking awful. Okay awful okay and we had it we were arguing about this via text yes and a little window into the the personal <laughs> lives of right of yeah, us yeah, too. yeah yeah which is why i think i really want to come on the show so that we could talk about it i think this comes down to like uh like perspective because you live for movies yes so you watch I mean, how many movies do you think you watch a year? In the last week, Mike, I have probably watched somewhere between 10 and 15 movies. Yeah, it's a lot of movies, yes. dude. And so you were saying like, no, there are far worse movies than The Monster. Great, grading on a curve a little grading bit. Grading on a curve. Yes. And I, I take your point. I do. I take your point. I do. I'm sure there are, but my 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 response to this it was a pretty good was, response actually. Hey, is this the uh, you know like if you're grading a test in school, anything under a fifty is an F, and so the monster might be thirty five, it might be forty. It's definitely not like a seven out of a hundred. I'll give it that. I'll tell you, you know what? Let's talk about what I let's talk about what I like about it. Okay, which isn't much. Okay, I thought the two leads. We're good insofar as they clearly had talent as actresses, but I thought the material <laughs> they were given was, and, and I know, I mean, maybe you can apply this to other movies too, but you, I know you know what I'm talking about when a good actor or actress is doing their best with the material that they're given and you can like tell like that Ben Affleck, Ben Affleck and the Batman DC movies. Yeah. That's a good example. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's doing his best with what he has or like, uh, there's that story, um, Harrison Ford in the original trilogy said, what's the line he said? He said, George, you can write this shit, but you can't <laughs> say it. Right. So I, <laughs> I thought, uh, what's her, the, is it Zoe Kazan, who is the mom? The mom, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hold uh, on. Let's get the cast up, but get continue. The cast up. And I thought the, the girl was uh, clearly very talented actress. Yep. So uh -huh. Zoe Kazan, Ella Bellentine, and then Aaron Douglas from, uh, from um, Battlestar Galactica appears in this. Uh, the one who was dating, what's the Asian girl's name in Battlestar Galactica? Oh man, I don't remember. But I yeah, he's like, what? he's like the, he's like the mechanic on the ship. Oh yeah, dude. I love that dude. Yeah. So that he's in him? this. And he was the, he was the tow truck driver. Yes. He was the tow truck driver. <laughs> yes. That's amazing. That's actually amazing. But yeah, so continue. That's so it. you like the cast. Like they did an okay job. I thought they did an okay job with what they were, and I thought the 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 premise of the movie is interesting. I guess nerds on Reddit didn't agree, but I seldom agree with nerds on Reddit. I thought the idea was interesting. The premise, because you gave me an option to watch two movies. I'm watching these two movies. If you want to watch one or both, 
And I and you said and you gave me the premise of the monster, and I thought, oh, that's an interesting premise. I'll check that out. So I thought the idea, the core idea, was compelling, right? That uh, it's also treacherous ground, where if you're gonna do something like so on the nose, metaphorical, it's I think it's 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 hard to pull off well because the monster represents Zoe Kazan's alcoholism yeah and her being a shit mom that's where i thought it failed like i like i i was enjoying the movie pretty much almost the whole way through i was enjoying the movie and i was waiting for like the connective tissue between what the flashbacks so the movie is basically about um this divorced uh single mother she has a daughter and she's got an alcohol problem um, and the daughter is kind of in one of those spots where she's having to grow up too fast, uh, essentially has to take care of her mom is the message that's put out there. They have to uh, randomly one night for some reason, I can't remember why, and maybe they didn't tell us why, um, they have to drive like in the middle of the night to take the daughter to the father's house. Um, the car... She's going to live with him full time. Okay. Yep. So and so she she's not open with that with her daughter. That comes out. She said you're not coming back. So she's taking her to live with to forever to go live with her dad. They're yeah. on back roads. Um, for some reason, and uh, the car breaks down, and there's a fucking monster that's outside the car. It's very uh, Cujo, like mom and daughter stuck in the car. Um, monster, you don't know where it is, whatever. But throughout the movie, it fl- it goes back and forth between flashbacks of this horrible life, basically, that this daughter is having to live with this mom who's like, you know, trying but can't stay sober, all that stuff, and the monster outside. And like, yeah, it's funny because it's, it's on the nose, but then again, it's not because they never... They never really make me understand how exactly the monster represents the alcoholism. I didn't feel that connection at all, you know? So right. in the end, I was kind of disappointed, but I thought it was okay. I I enjoyed my time watching it for the most part. The last five minutes, it, it killed it for me, but, but I enjoyed the ride, I guess. I thought it was supposed to come together in the climax, right? Because... At the end of the movie, they sort of get away, but then they crash again in an ambulance. And so they have nowhere to go and the monster's outside. And the mom is going to sacrifice herself to save her daughter. Terrible writing there, by the way. That was terrible. It's, but that but that was the climax of the movie. That's how that's how they tried to bring home this is how the al- this is how the monster represents the alcoholism. The mom is gonna sacrifice herself to save her daughter yeah which like doesn't cash doesn't cash out no especially because her sacrifice essentially does nothing because the little girl just runs out anyways and attacks the monster and then the monster's after the little girl again so that so there are things that i did not like about this i thought it was okay though i thought it was very like stylishly done like wherever they filmed this the set was you know whatever setting they had all right i thought it was good set. i'll give the set some credit yeah i thought like the like the rainy woods was cool yeah uh i thought the monster was i i thought it yeah. was pretty cool looking. i like the monster I, yeah i think he's i think it's practical effects it looks like a dude in a suit to me which i always respect because it yeah. wasn't like horrible 60s godzilla uh, dude yeah. in a suit. It was really well or done. Or just like 
CGI garbage. Right. Like, but yeah. then again, like I, we shit on CGI, but we've talked about a quiet place. I know you love that movie. Those are CGI and they're fucking awesome. So, yeah. you know, um, but, but like, uh, I, I liked, I liked all that stuff. I liked some of the, the, uh, flashback scenes. Like there's a scene where she wants to take the daughter to like a recital or a play or something that she's performing in and they get in a fight and they yell, fuck you at each other. I thought that was pretty powerful stuff. When the mom is puking and the daughter comes in and like lays with her, I thought that was really good. But my problem with it is if you're going to do this, uh, it better, it better be, uh, you know, especially if it's super on the nose metaphorically, or it's trying to be, it better make some sort of sense. And in the end, in the I end, didn't it, buy it. It just doesn't. It yeah. just doesn't. Yeah. Right. That's what it, 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 I, th- I feel like the script, like the script needed several more drafts. Right. You because might be right. Like, yeah. These things weren't coming together yeah, at, right. at the end of the movie. There was no like real payoff. Like even a negative payoff, like you can have it end terribly. That's fine. Like as long as it's good. Yeah. You know what I mean? I do also feel like it deserves credit because in so many of these movies, um, the alcoholic is just a pure piece of shit. And uh, being an alcoholic myself, watching this character, um, I thought that it represented like, okay, there, there's things about her that suck. Right. And there, when you're, when you're in the, 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 you know, the, the midst of your addiction, you are kind of a shitty person, but I thought it was like respectfully done, tastefully done. I didn't hate either of the characters pretty much at any point in the movie. So I, yeah, I think it deserves credit for that too. Uh- I'll I'll go along. I'll agree with this. And the more we talk about it, the because I just had a thought where if you're going to do this kind of relationship at the center of your movie, um, it's really easy to just turn the mom into like a complete two dimensional, like total piece of garbage. But uh, to be honest, I the more we talk about it, I thought it did. I thought the movie did an admirable job of still making the mom sympathetic, despite being actively alcoholic mom obviously she did like horrible abusive shit to her kid yeah but like the movie also shows you that she like i buy the fact that she loves her daughter yes right like i buy that 100 percent. i mean she's basically giving the daughter to the dad for that reason right right because she can't do it you know what i mean yeah right right so but yeah i mean uh grade for this what would you give this as far as a grade all right i'll you know what I'll upgrade it to a D minus. Okay. All right. I'll give it a passing grade. I'll give it a- I, I'm going to give it a C minus. C minus? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And All would right. I recommend it if you're into like the slow burn, like practical effects, monster movie stuff? Sure. I, I you know, you might like it. Um, I have a feeling general audiences probably would hate this though. It's definitely yeah. got that, well, what the fuck? I just wasted two hours of my life <laughs> feel to it. Like uh, hereditary, a lot of people felt that way about. What? Oh yeah. What? Really? Oh yeah. There's a you either love you either love Ari Aster or you fucking hate his guts. I feel like. Ari Aster's amazing. Yes, I agree. Ari Aster's amazing. Uh, but yeah, it looks like. By the way, Home is in the chat, and he's happy to see uh see you on the show. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so we're going to talk about dark now. And home, yeah. home. If you want the link to jump into the stream shoot a comment in i'll shoot you the link if you want to jump in and talk about dark so dark season three um let's start spoiler free here 
Uh, I thought it was really, really good. I do have a couple significant problems with it. Um, but as far as like the, the making me care about the, the characters and my emotional attachment to a lot of these characters, I mean, it really tugged at my heartstrings probably more than either of the first two seasons. And, um, for that reason, I think that it was a massive success overall. I didn't feel, you know, screwed out of anything at the end. It was extremely satisfying, I thought. So, sir, what I, do you think? I agree. Um, I'm just really glad that Dark exists. <laughs> uh, it's just like, I, I can't help but compare it to Lost, uh, which I don't know is fair, but it's a similar kind of show in the sense that you don't really know what's going on at the beginning. And there's like supernatural tomfoolery afoot and dark brought things home in a real and satisfying way. Uh, I appreciate how tight it was in terms of the construction um, of the plot and the characters uh, and you can just tell that this was a lovingly well-crafted show, much like, and also very intricate, much like, you know, like a watch or a clock. Or yeah. Something. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Uh, yeah. Look you that. can tell it was a trilogy from the start. It was designed yes. to start and end at a certain place. They did a really good job. They didn't drag it out. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, I love the show. It's one of my favorite shows ever. It's on that list for me with like Breaking Bad, um, 24, yeah. uh, you know, I think it's easily the, well, I love Ozark, but it's in my opinion, it's the best thing that Netflix has done. I'm inclined to agree with that take. Yeah. yeah I, I it's it just, it's so different, um, like when you first start the series, just talking about the series as a whole, uh, the way that it introduces you to the world. Like I've talked to quite a few people who they've tried watching it and they, they can't get far enough into it for that hook to hit them, yeah. you know? Um, yep. But once it does and you kind of start to grasp what's going on, um, I think that it's fantastic. I, uh, yeah, I, I mean, what did you think of the way it was wrapped up without spoiling it? What did you think of the actual, like, the the ending of the series? I don't think I can express any criticisms of it without spoiling it, so I'll hold off on that. Um, but, I, I mean, I thought it was great. Yeah. Uh, we had... Um, we had we had our twists and turns. We had our surprises. We had a, a satisfying climax... Um, we had a good denouement for all the characters, right? And uh, I, I was one of the better endings of a show that I've seen in a long time. Yeah. I Isn't think. it funny how when you actually have a plan and you yes. say, I'm ending at this point that you can yes. actually write a good series? You know what I mean? Um, Structurally speaking, I 100% well, I agree. And I think, I don't know. I mean, you would know better than me, but I really appreciate how tight it's constructed. I know I just mentioned that, but like 
uh, a lot of the episodes are like an hour and nine minutes long. So they're big and juicy episodes. It feels like watching a short film. Yeah. There are only eight. Uh, I think there, there are 10 episodes in season one, right? And then there are eight in both season two and season three. So you have shorter seasons with juicier episodes. So you yeah. just say what you need to say. You know, and I always wonder with Netflix, like, if this is airing any other way in, uh, oh, look at this. Look at this. We've got a, a guest who has, who has decided to join us. Look oh, what's up, buddy? Thank you for not spreading <laughs> the COVID, by the way. Home. Digital COVID, man. <laughs> but yes, home. So it only took one episode without you for you yeah, to come crawling now back. back. Now yeah. Back. <laughs> you know, I appreciate that. But yes, I, I figured this would happen. I figured this would happen because I know that you love Dark uh, as much or more than I do. Um, it's probably one of our favorite things that we saw since we've started the podcast. So, um, Holm, what did you think of season three without spoilers? We paused here for technical difficulties. You hear me now? Yeah. All right. What about you, Jax? Yeah, I can hear everybody. Okay. So we're golden. Yeah, I can. Yeah. All right. Good. So, um, Alex was saying, uh, and sorry, I cut a little bit out of the episode there for the podcast listeners uh, who aren't on YouTube, um, but Alex was saying that uh, he agrees with your whole clockwork thing. It's by design. Um, can't think of a more tightly written science fiction show, one of his favorite science fiction shows, whatever. Uh, and then I said, how does this stack up for you guys? Is this the best season? Is this the worst season? Is it just they're all great and they're all equal in their own way? I mean, how did you feel watching this? Uh, so I'll, I'll take that. Um, it's definitely one of my I, – I think they're all great seasons. I think – I always think about, like, the, the divulgence of information throughout a narrative. And I think this was done probably the most efficient way because a lot of it is designed around people not knowing, like – what they need to know until they need to know it. So there's actual, a, a logistical reason for people not knowing about a second world or whatever may be. Um, I think that's really important. Uh, I, I, I don't know if they could have tied it up in a better way in all honesty. And I think it's, it's probably the most dark and dark and, uh, and hopeful ending that you could hope for. Yeah, I want to say that I thought that the actual ending, like the legit last 20 minutes, last episode, however you want to put it, was amazing. I thought the way that it ended was great. Um, we're going to get in spoilers here in just a second. Uh, but, but there were a couple things throughout the season that kind of bothered me. Uh, and yeah, we can get into that in a minute because I don't want to, I don't want to. But how about you, Mike? Were you, I mean... I mean, I thought it was the best, right? And but it's more complicated than that because when you have what is it's basically like a it's a lot of season one and two are basically like kind of like a mystery, like you don't know what's going on, right? And so you mortgage you mortgage those two seasons to make the payoff of season three all the sweeter. And so, yes, season three is the best because the whole show is good and the payoff is worth it, but that payoff is not as good in season three if you didn't do such a good job setting it up in the yes. previous two seasons. So you really do have to give credit, even all the way back to to episode one, season one, uh, just the groundwork that they laid 
Um, you know, I'm thinking of like the first scene with Jonas is him waking up. Yeah. And he can't even fucking make breakfast for himself. Right. Right. And then look at the arc of this character um, throughout the whole, the whole course of the show. And it's just like, it's astonishing what they accomplish just with him alone. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I so is it very... more entertaining to watch Jonas complain that he can't make breakfast for himself or to see him as Adam at the climax Dude, of the show? How about obviously how about obviously... Adam? How about early Adam? That shit was crazy. Stranger Adam? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was rad, dude. But it was rad. But yeah, let's uh, let's get into spoilers because I I do want to bring up criticisms and see what you guys think of these. So I got uh, a whole list. I too, think so. that the triplets, I'm just going to call them, the son of Marta and Jonas. I think that character sucks. I don't think it contributes anything of meaning that makes me excited about the show. I thought when it started season three that I would get a lot more meat on those characters, but they seem to me to just be a plot contrivance to appear, kill someone. Oh, that's how they got to do this. It really, to me, didn't add much. Um, and then the other, the other issue I think I had with the season, and I think both of these are relatively easy to fix, by the way, um, would be, and I can't remember her name, but uh, the, the Tiedemann, uh, Claudia. Claudia Tiedemann, her discovery of the third world to me was not nearly as fleshed out as it should have been. Um, for a show that seemed to, you know, when, when you had mind fuck moments, there was always that, that connective tissue that was built that made you un, like it, it made it a mind fuck moment. And to me, that part of her discovering that I don't think was very well done, I guess. Um, I'm, I'm going to fix my lighting real, real quick here. Okay. It's, it's a uh, dog shit, but, uh, I mean, you always look like dog shit home. Yeah. Come on. Now. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, Mike, what do you think? I mean, is that fair or either of those criticisms fair? That's on my list. Um, we're not really shown to my knowledge how quantum Claudia saves herself. Right. We, I think it's that uh, uh, or it's episode seven. We're given that fourth wall breaking stuff about Schrodinger's cat. Yes. Right. Yes. That whole thing. And so essentially like Claudia uses quantum mechanics to find a way out to the true world uh, where the problem needs to actually be fixed. But we're not shown because we see Claudia uh, die twice. She kills alt Claudia and takes her place, which I thought was super cool. Yes. That's, yes. that's amazing. I thought that was fucking amazing yeah. that like <clears throat> our Claudia or OG Claudia is like spying as right. Claudia. Um, but Noah kills her and we're not shown how she comes back. So I was like super fuzzy on how that functioned. Um, but yeah, I mean, it seems like home has something he wants to say, but I, I also have further thoughts. Well, on be this before well. home says something, I, I do think that we need to, we need to give credence to the fact that it's possible on a rewatch that some of this shit would be ironed out in our minds, but go ahead home. Uh, so I would say, uh, so you had two problems. You had one about the, the triplets and then you had one about, uh, uh, Claudia and the, uh, the revelation of the third world. Um, I think one, the idea is like, so it's a, it's a cycle and Claudia understands the cycle. She knows where she dies. So all she really has to do is 
in this cycle, now that she knows about it, not go to her own death. She needs to not travel to that point in time. But I thought you needed... Okay, so, okay, I think I get it. I think I get it. I think I get it. Because this is also how Eva foiled the, what I call the ultra super mega double apocalypse abortion. Um, which is on my list of criticisms. I can get to that later. Because um, Eva, fo- evil, Eva foiled Adam by simply having another copy of pregnant Marta around yes. at the time when she was killed. Yep. Okay. See, my understanding was that Claudia needed the magical apocalypse moment in order to save herself. Do you see what I'm saying, Alex? It's, But that's maybe not the case. That's the thing about, I mean... That's the thing about this show is that it is so complex and there are so many moving parts about who's where and when and what do they know at what point that it does become inevitably complex. But I think that that's also a selling feature of the show in that part of it is like a Rubik's Cube that you're trying to piece together. Um, Speaking about like the, the triplets. I, I, I kind of get what you're saying because they're not really characters. They're a plot device, right? And you then have the argument of like, okay, so are characters that are just plot devices, are they necessary or are they weak characters? I think what that ultimately does is show you that uh, Eve or Eva is just as bad as, as uh, uh, um, uh, Adam because, I mean, look at what she's willing to do to her child. She's made her child throughout literally the entirety of his life just like nothing but a force for her will. Uh, that is a really dark fucking thing to do to your own kid. Yeah, I, uh, you know, and I, and I think in a in a lesser show, it wouldn't have been as noticeable. But I think my problem is, I think of the characters in this show, in this series, and I feel for every other character. Like, uh, the only one I can think of that I don't feel much for is the eye patch guy who's just kind of in the background throughout the whole series. But but every other character has a moment. And that's one thing that I think the third season did, like, miraculously, is that I, like, was emotionally fucked up for almost every character at some point during this season. Like every, there was like uh, Ulrich being left at the mental, the mental institution when his wife doesn't come back. Um, His, his wife, her death, the way that whole thing went down was incredible. Um, That paid off just amazingly. Uh, Adam, Adam and Eve's like moment at the end when they're holding hands. It's just, I, Bartosh, Noah, Noah and Charlotte, by the way, might've been my favorite shit in the whole third season. I love Noah, man. I just, oh. I, okay. For, to, go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. For, first of all, you can't do my boy Waller dirty like that. <laughs> um, but responding to, I call him Cain, because Cain is this, the firstborn son of Adam and Eve. Yeah. Or we can call him the triplets, too. Uh, I agree. There's really not a lot there. I mean, he's just kind of this, like, devil character right and further pretty sure and i don't know if they show this but pretty sure kane has to uh 
impregnate certain people in order to keep the loop going. So Kane has to have progeny to keep the loop going, and I'm not clear on who that was. I don't was recall he? who that was. I don't was. remember that. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't I don't remember Kane having to have any children. I want to say, Jackson, two things. One, eye patch guy, you know, you don't think about humor in a show like this, but the amount of humor that is so wink wink nudge nudge when he's all yeah, so it's a really strange story how this happened. And then they just never fucking tell you. That's uh, spectacular. Yeah, I like um, that. That's true. I loved that. Because not everything needed to be related to time travel in this. It could have just been like he tripped and fell. Right, right. And yeah, and, and there were multiple die, yeah. times throughout the series that he tried to tell the story and he couldn't because yes. something would happen. Um, that was really funny. And I love to, uh, you're talking about, um, I forget her name, but... Um, Ulrich's uh, wife. Ulrich's, uh, Ulrich's wife. Uh, her death uh, really Katarina. Katarina, yes, really made me want to see like a, and I, I hope some fan will eventually do this, a supercut of the the traveling of the pendant and how that gets to different points in history because they really made that a focus this season, um, which I thought was spectacular. But I was halfway expecting one episode to just show you how that happened, like just cut them all together but eventually i'd like to see that comes from egon gives it to to hana that's where it starts i think yeah and then it, could be right. it bootstraps itself into two copies yeah. but it travels all over the all over the place can, can we talk about the fact that i still hate hana but this uh, this season almost made you feel sorry for her um, and how big of a task at hand that is for anyone writing this show. Cause she I, is terrible. She's the, she's, she's the oh, worst. She's I, the worst person in the show. And we have a guy who like was a child murderer in the show. I, I thought, uh, it, isn't it interesting that they gave Hannah the curtain call at the end of the show? That's a very deliberate choice. I mean, she has the last scene and she has the last lines in the show. And it, and it really, and it's like, she ends up with Baller, who is not a very deep character, but he seems like a legit guy. And like Hannah, absent of this curse, chooses this like super chill dude who's not insane. And it really makes me wonder, like, how much of this was like it, it makes you wonder like how much of this was Hannah's like fault, right? If given if like absent the curse, she leads a pretty normal life and seems like a pretty normal person. Think about her life prior to everything being solved. I mean, she married a person that came back in time. She didn't know that. I mean, her entire life is built on this thing, right? Right. I mean, well, yeah. That's the interesting thing is that it, uh, so one, there's like incest at the, you know, kind of the heart of this thing. And it's like, it's interesting that basically like almost every character who is born out of this not like keeps doing the same things. Um, but also they keep like they're, they're they have a hard time. Like Ulrich has a hard time making a choice. And uh, and uh, the the female um, uh, police officer, I forget her name, too. Charlotte, Charlotte. She, she she goes in between in one world she's she's uh cheating on her husband with Ulrich but um it's just it's just very interesting that they all kind of I don't want to say they're all bad people but there's there's a lot of 
pain and anguish that they inflict upon themselves. Yeah. They're cursed. Yeah. Yes. Literally. Well, it's Yeah. They're not supposed to exist. Most of they're these not characters. supposed to be. Yeah. They're not supposed to exist. It's which yeah. is, which is crazy because the last scene of the series. Uh, and if you're, you haven't seen it, um, turn off now, please. Uh, but the last scene of the series, what are there like five people at that dinner table? And yeah. they're the only people that should exist. Right. There's right. nobody like Magnus doesn't exist. Uh, his girlfriend doesn't exist. A uh, question, by the way, it's a totally random question. Why, why is the, um, the hard of hearing passed between the two worlds between the sisters? Did they, did they, is there any explanation or is it just, that's just it? I think it's just the idea that like certain things repeat, but it's not always the same. Got I it. think was the idea. Yeah, you're right. Cause they did say something about like things will happen, but when yeah, and how mirror, they happen. Mirrored, but not quite ex exactly okay. mirrored. Right. Okay. Yeah. Which I, that's on my list of criticisms actually. Yeah. Go for it. Let's, um, let's hear it. So I have two big ones, but one is the hair lip on Kane switches based on whatever world he's in. That doesn't make sense to me um, because it's like, oh God, how do I put Because there's this? only one Kane, right? There's He's only of one both Kane. worlds, right? And so, okay. So if you want to have like the Nielsen house is, I think, or, or the Conwell house is the Nielsen house in the alt world. That's fine. But it's also flipped, like physically flipped. Yes. Right. But that's because that's how it was built. But Cain was born, like, Cain was born with the hair lip in one direction. To have it flip based on what world he's in doesn't make any sense. Like, the, the worlds come up the way they come up, and they happen to be mirrors of one another. So to have his hair lip flip from side to side, like, doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, unless it's you're going to have some sort of line of dialogue that explains that. Right. Yeah, I yeah. mean, that's all it does. Because... And there's a lot of stuff. I mean, we've talked about this home uh, hundreds of times, I swear, where just simply taking, uh, adding one line of it to the script can solve a lot of problems. Um, and I think it's true of this show. I don't think this, unfortunately, I don't think the show's perfect. Um, I, you know, I, but, but it did, it did settle my concern that I had, which was, okay, if the first two seasons, nothing they do makes any difference. I mean, at some point you have to have something that the characters do have consequence on what happens in the show. And they did do that. So you know, uh, what did you guys think of the end of the seventh episode where it was kind of, it was looking for a minute, like they were, they were putting together all the, putting all the pieces in place so that theoretically it could have ended and you could have started the series over and it would have just been one giant loop. I thought that was pretty cool. I think you could do that, but I think narratively, I mean, we talk about like the idea every narrative has some sort of uh thesis statement, some sort of message they're trying to get across. And if you do that, that's, I would say, highly dissatisfying to her because there's no real uh, catharsis. There's no real change. Nothing gets any better. Things are just shit, and they will always be shit forever. That's the message of the show if you do that. Uh, I mean, I, I look at the show, and I, I just think this show has so much to say about existence 
and society and human nature um, that I was tremendously blown away. And like, yeah, you can, I, I don't know if you can say it's perfect because there are, you're, I mean, you guys, what I would say is you guys are definitely bringing up nitpicks. I don't think there's anything that actually inherently ruins the narrative. You're correct. Um, but it's slight sort of like, well, this could have been done slightly better, but I don't think there's anything that breaks the story or the message <clears throat> in any way. I think that we spend 2.9 seasons getting beaten over the head that this is a deterministic universe and there's absolutely nothing you can do to fix it. So that did get a little tiring. Jackson, you and I were texting before season three came out, like, what are they going to do? Yeah. Like, are they going to spend another season beating the characters and, and the audience over the head that this is a deterministic universe and there's like, we are aware that this is a closed loop system. I feel like the characters were unrealistically slow in picking that up, except for maybe, except for maybe Adam. Can I right? say that what this season, it finally started to frustrate me how gullible Jonas is. Like I was getting frustrated because at some point you're not going to any, and he finally had the moment where he realizes Marta has the, the, the scar. Yes. But, but yep. it took that fucking long for him to like be like, oh, I'm not just going to let this these evil monster-looking fucking people that are crazy tell me what I should do, you know? But I would say that's a lesson that doesn't stick for Jonas because Jonas still goes back in time, still brings the box down to the, the fucking cave and says, but I'm going to undo it this time. He yeah. still does that. So you mean when, when he, he's the stranger, older when he's the stra yeah. Yeah, yeah. At the at the ending of season one. So he never really gives up hope that he can change the future until he's basically Adam when he's embraced the idea there is no change. We just need to break this thing. That's it. I think uh, stra stranger is is kind of a dumbass because and this is on my list of criticisms because I think that. I don't know, maybe it's just great character development because when he's like slowly becoming an Adam, you can just see if you have memories of yourself as Adam, you eventually just give up the goat and are like, yes. this actually is my destiny. However, yeah. however, Stranger is aware of quantum Jonas. He is aware of his existence. There's a scene where he's talking to Alt Marta and he says, I have no memory of going to your world, right. how can that be possible? So you feel like, why did Jonas forget about this? Like, that's the one thing you can't square, is that I, there's a yo younger version of you out there doing things you don't remember, and he just throws that to the side. I was going to ask about that. So, yeah, so we get, the, that gets, like, explained via a, basically, a switch point where you've got, like, the infinite loop or whatever going but there's two sides of it that are parallel right so like something not only are there two separate worlds but there's like two separate versions of the worlds because jonas splits basically and becomes yeah. two characters uh yeah that's one that to be but honest they exist i'm not at the sure same time they exist at the same time but jonas that the quantum Jonas has to die that's why Eva kills him yeah. because he'll fuck everything up. But you're right. But does. Jonas does like, cause I, and it was funny. Cause I was actually talking to my wife about this, about 
uh, well, wait a minute. This doesn't make any, she's like, it doesn't really make much sense. How does he not remember anything? There's only one of him. Um, and to your point, Mike, it is like at that moment, you would think that he would have that, that like awakening moment where he goes, well, wait a minute. Things don't have to be what I think they have to be. You know, I don't need to embrace that. I'm going to turn into this fucking monster. You know what I mean? He has evidence that there is another way. And I feel like given his indomitable will that he would levy everything he had into discovering what that was all about, but he never, he, he kind of, I think the counter argument is that he like just wants to become Adam at some point. Cause he's just a miserable fuck. And like, this is the, this is the belief that he's sticking to that there is no way out, but still it's a, it's a, it's a criticism of mine that he, did did no sort of follow up on quantum Jonas. So I would say, I mean, you can try and explain it away with with character bits about like, well, he's he's gone down this path. He thinks this is the only path. Even after meeting Marta, he's like, well, this could be a lie. This could be a trick. Uh, I don't I don't know. Like at that point, I feel like Jonas uh, pre Adam like is getting to the point where he's not trusting anyone uh, and even, maybe even himself, you know, it's like, well, I end up as Adam. I can't trust myself. Uh, everybody's lied to me up to this point. Uh, everything I've done is fuck everything. Fuck everything. I think just ends up being Jonas at that point. So it's like, <clears throat> yeah, fuck. She says she's Marta, but why should I believe her? Like this could right. all be a fucking trick by Adam in the future. So yeah, that's... I, I I don't I don't know I'm 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 trying but it, to but it is counters. him it, it's him and yes. he should have memories of that yeah it's like it's like a Descartes proof right like I I have memories of myself and I do not remember this happening I have if no you're assuming of this happening right but that but that presumes that you actually take her at her word that these things actually happened. But doesn't he see Quantum Jonas? I mean, I think they converse at some point. That's the point I'm trying to make. No, I don't think he ever sees that version of Jonas. Certainly no, I, not at that point when she comes to visit like the late 1800s or whatever. He hasn't met him. Okay, maybe he thinks it's all a lie. Because I, I remember him talking to, I, I thought I remember him but, actually. like. But he doesn't, he doesn't believe it's a lie though. We can just tell that he know, like from the way the character acts, I don't think he thinks it's a lie. I, I mean, he, he also falls for that trick when she gives him the one, uh, you know, time travel ball thing the 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 time travel juice thing out of her little ball and it's like well if he logically thought about it if he just never used that then he could solve a whole shitload of problems right there but he does it anyway you know what i mean and it's like how many times is he gonna be fucking tricked because at this point he's the stranger he's been tricked countless times throughout the, right. the series so that got a little bit irritating but that's a nitpick to your point home i mean that's you know, I mean, who knows? Different characters are going to have different levels of of gullibility and they're going to fall for dumb shit. So, well, and they and they brought up something that I thought was a really great point in that uh, my thought at the end of season two. Well, my thought at the end of season one is the only way that Jonas can stop this is if he kills himself. That's the only because that stops his future self from existing. 
But then they sort of complicate that by season two with the introduction of the second world, which, you know, we were just talking about the idea, like the show does beat you over the head of like, this is deterministic. This is fatalistic. Uh, but does this, is this part of a bigger loop, which you end up finding out it is, but you keep wondering that's sort of the hook of the show is like how much of this has or has not ever happened before. And you have to go, and that's why it's so geniusly sort of structured in the way that you you follow a gullible character who hasn't seen these things before. You have to follow young Jonas. You have to follow uh, Marta in season three, which I also think was spectacular. The way that they like they do the mirror shots of like the house is different. They shoot the school differently, um, and but it's still it's still kind of like episode one from season one. And I think that is. Uh, I, I, I marvel at sort of the attention to detail, which I do think, you know, bringing up, uh, uh, Kane and sort of the mirror, it's like, maybe that was the whole point is that it is as simplistic as he jumps to a different world and all of a sudden he's a mirror version of himself. It doesn't make sense as far as we understand sort of physical existence. Like, why would you all of a sudden be yourself just exactly reversed? Well, he's the only like, character that's of both worlds, right? Right, right. So maybe that's why. I mean, I don't fully understand it. There is some stuff that it's like you might be able to do some headcanony type things and try and explain it. Look, I think it's a cool. I think it's a cool effect. That's all. But it right. doesn't. It doesn't jive because it's about. <laughs> it's about individuals traveling through time and through worlds as themselves. Sure. Right. And how that that affects them as people. Right. Whereas like, I don't know. I mean, we can just move on from the hair lip, but I just it was a little thing that just annoyed me. That's all. Also, mm. like he was not a very compelling character. No, that's not and not. that's and it's in a yeah. show that's filled with compelling characters. Right. I mean, right. I never would have expected that a scene of the tan house time uh, watchmaker clock guy and his son would like emotionally make me feel the way I did by the end of the right. third season. I mean, the way they did that with his son leaving and coming back and all that shit, um, the way they built it up with the, I mean, the moment between him and Charlotte where he tells her basically how he came to be her adoptive father all that stuff. The show is just for it to be as convoluted and complicated as it is while still having the character bits, the strong character work uh, is, I, I don't know if I can think of anything quite like it. I, I mean, there's a ton of shit where it's like, okay, yeah, it's super, it's super complicated and convoluted uh, inception inception. I'll go ahead and throw that movie out there. Right. I don't, really give a shit about anyone in inception um i really don't fucking care you yeah the characters I mean? are a little they're a little flat yeah so yeah. so yeah. and i understand well, inception most of them has, are dreams yeah so. <laughs> right but inception has two hours to do it so i guess yeah. you can give it that but but the fact that dark like you're right there's all like ulrich's a piece of shit right i fucking love ulrich He's like one of my yeah. favorite characters. You know what Look I mean? Look at that face. Yeah. I, Mads yes. Mikkelsen 2.0. I think he's the second world yes. Mads Mikkelsen. But, but, yes. um, but yeah, I, I just, I marvel at what 
they accomplished. I know they've signed a deal with Netflix to make another series or two. The um, showrunners? Yes. So Good. I cannot wait to see what they come up with next. Um, and it is, I mean, it is, uh, it's very sad that the show is over, but it's great that it's over because. But it didn't overstay its welcome. Right, exactly. No. Right? Yeah. You would rather have a show end and miss it than, okay, they need to get this over with. There's so many shows where you're like, yeah, that show's great. But once you get to season five, it's trash. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So, well, they had a, they had a clear goal in mind. And I love the fact that it's only three seasons because that feeds into the whole idea of like three universes. And uh, I mean, I'm sorry, I don't want to like cut you off, Jackson, but like something I loved was there's like this this big sort of like we're the shadow, we're the light sort of binary choices in this. And I love the fact that, you know, there is a lot of I feel like a lot in life is either do or do not, blah, blah, blah. And you, you bring it into politics, Republican, Democrat. And it's nice that they in such a simplistic way say not everything is binary. Yeah, there's a lot of gray to everything in this show. You know. Yeah. I have another I have another criticism. Oh boy. Oh boy. He's just trying to impress us, home. He's trying I, to impress uh, us. <laughs> I I'm here to give takes. I'm here yeah. to share my takes. Hot um t- there really should be a Jonas in the alt world. And I don't buy that there is not. Because in alt world, Mickle doesn't go back in time exactly and yet at the end of the season claudia goes on a whole spiel on how the same things keep happening over and over again we even see how ulrich mutilates helga that was awesome and how that all worked but there's no Jonas, and the reason why is for structural and story reasons because you want you you want adam to come from world one and you want eva to come from world two but in my opinion, based on the in, in, internal logic of the show, there should still be a Jonas in World 2. Everything is virtually the same in World uh, 2, except that Jonas doesn't exist. And I don't, based on the premises that were given to us, that I don't, I don't buy into that entirely. I don't, I don't fully understand why there would be a, a, a Jonas in the second world if it precludes that Mikkel needs to go back in time to have Mikkel that needs happen. to go Mikkel, but the but the way the internal logic works is like the 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 example i'm using to illustrate my point is that Ulrich still goes back in time to mutilate helga absent Mikkel's yeah. kidnapping right? i see what and you're so saying that, that's show you see what i'm saying well and so the, the fact that saying, jonas doesn't need like you can still have an eva that only comes from world two even though marta's in both worlds right so theoretically the only reason that Mikkel ever goes back in time is because Jonas grabs him to take him into the caves to take him back in time. If Jonas never existed in that world in the first place, Mikkel would never go back in time. Right. I mean, you can come up with all sorts of things, but the point is that Claudius says that the things happen anyway. I even try to stop them. It shows him, it shows her showing up in world two right after Ulrich mutilates Helga in the alt way. Right. 
And so it's just like, we're just not going to have a Jonas in World 2. But doesn't a lot of the shit happen the same in World 2 also because uh, Eve at the end of that one episode, I can't remember what it was, maybe it was 7 or 6, but she basically has like her minions all lined up and sets them back to assure that everything happens. So, you know, so part of that is manually done by a character. It's not just because it has to be the same. You know, yeah, that, well, that's the idea is that they both continually recreate their own existence. They are perpetuating their own existence. That's the whole I think that's the whole point, which is why she's like, well, there can't be a Jonas in my world, because if there's a Jonas, then things play out like world, Two. So I have to stop that from happening. Yeah, I mean. I get what you're saying, though, Mike. You're saying that if you believe that the whole idea is this is a mirror and everything's going to be as it is in both worlds, it will just happen differently at different times in different ways, then there should be a Jonas. But clearly that's the one thing that's not the same, right? So, Because you they want that symmetry. They want Adam from World 1 and Eva from, from World 2. Can we but, talk about and yet how Marta exists in both yeah, worlds? Yeah, Marta exists right? in both worlds. So, so that's not that's not a good explanation for why they would have made that choice. I, I well, I don't think that the idea is that they're exact mirrors. I think they like to throw that out there, but I don't think they're exact mirrors because it's still a world that requires actions upon people. Like Mar- Marta, of course, is going to exist because Ulrich exists in that world. But the only reason that Jonas exists is because of Mikkel going back in time and because of Jonas's own actions to make him go back in time. So if you stop that in one action from happening, he'll never exist. Right. But I also tend to, and I don't always do this, but I do this with some people. I tend to err on the side of if there's a problem that I'm finding with the show, other than like, I would say Kane is may- maybe more so just like a straight writing. That's a very simple problem to see. If it's something like this with a show like this, I trust these showrunners and show writers so implicitly that it might just be that I don't fully understand it. And I might need to, I might need to watch in a second or third time to pick up on, because there are things I'm unclear on still. But yes, I think it's, nah, I, I understand it. A hundred percent. I, there should be a fucking Jonas in world two and I will die on this hill, but it will not prevent me from saying that this is one of my favorite shows of all time. It is amazing. It, it is, is amazing. amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. Um, now the ending is interesting too, because they basically sacrifice themselves. Anybody have a little interstellar vibes at the end when they're like looking at the younger selves through the the portal and they both remember mm. that moment when they like looked in the closet or or whatever now that was interesting to me because it didn't really fit with the show uh it was a weird part it worked i think but i i think they wanted a romantic sort of they, they wanted you to remind they wanted to remind you that these are people that they they were children at one point they wanted that an emotional impact yeah that these people are literally saying goodbye to their own existence yeah i mean the last, the climax of the show is like in a show where you have a character who escapes her abusive mother only to go back in time to be, to be murdered by her abusive mother. Like, you need to throw us a bone. 
Yeah. And so if you want to get a little Disney at the end, like, <laughs> yes, I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know, I was, I was okay with, with it, it is, it's an incredibly dark, dark show. I mean, and I think that's the whole reason for it is you need a little bit of, need a little bit of something to make you feel something other than like despair. No, it's great. I, I thought the ending was great. I do real quick. Cause I haven't brought it up and you just brought up again, the, uh, the scene where she gets killed by her own mother. How fucking awesome. This was classic dark. The The fact that she had that conversation with Hannah as a little girl about the aborted babies going to hell. And then when she gets killed by her own daughter, she thinks that's the baby that she had aborted when she was a little girl at that clinic. It's just fucking amazing. Yeah. It's just. Yeah, I love that. Oh, her, Katarina's oh. mom might be the worst person on the show. Oh, she was terrible. Mm. Actually, Noah's still the worst person on the show. I love Noah, man. I have de- I have deep problems with Noah. You you were saying in season two, if we can go back, you were saying that his death was uh, very um, anticlimactic, right? You if, if I have a real criticism of the show, it's the character of Noah. Truly, it is. And I, I and but the par- paradoxically, we are talking about dark. I mean, I do really like him also as a character. I think the actor who played Noah is phenomenal. Yes. I think there was a lot of to- I think there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of uh, tomfoolery going on with the I I felt like I was getting meddled with by the show. Them runners. making you think he was like this evil force. And he was like he was. Yes. So it's like like he murdered children and tortured children to death. And so now I'm supposed to like be here for Noah in season three. I am there for Noah. I love me some Noah, man. He like goes on to murder children then and like like he's presented as the big bad of the show. This is before we know about the existence of Adam. There's like big uh home uh Jackson didn't know this, but there's like huge uh carnival vibes. Did you ever see that show back in the day? No. So there's a huge nod to Carnival because he is this big badass back tat. Say that ten times fast. <laughs> and in Carnival, the 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 antagonist of the show is Brother Justin, who is a priest and a a satanic figure who has a big badass back tat of a tree. And so, and the, it plays this weird distortion music every time you see him. And he just kind of dies like a chump. Like, and that it's just bizarre. Like, what a strange character. I thought, I, thought he, I love so Noah. Weird. I love Noah. I, I, that's why I kind of, yeah, no, I love Noah in that you, you sympathize with him up to a certain point and then you, but you still did monstrous acts, but you did monstrous acts so that, Basically, you were lied to and told you had to do this. And basically, they were only designed and they were only there to further the loop's existence. And it's really just goes down to the whole like, this is a perverse universe that was never meant to exist. And for its own existence, it needs to do monstrous things to exist. I, I like to like what's interesting about the kid because like the show was originally all about what's happening to these kids but that's not even that's not even germane to the conversation by the end of the show season one is just a season one is like a giant misdirect for like a good third of it yeah but the thing is is uh like 
the, the, it didn't mean anything in the end to torture and kill those kids because the reason we're given is that they need to figure out how to build time machines, but they already know that they're going to be successful. And so then what happens is these actions then lose their meaning. The only meaning they have is that of ritual, right? Which is like a really disturbing thought. They also have meaning in that, well, first off, Noah doesn't know everything at that point. So he, you know, he's right, kind but of Adam out of the loop. Does. Right, but, That's but why they Adam also is a fucking monster. Yeah, but they also have the meaning of those kids get sent to different times, their corpses do, and they're found, and they lead to very important things within the show to keep the loop going. I mean, if Ulrich never finds his brother 30 years after he was kidnapped, then he never goes on to badger beat what's his name in the face as a child, which yeah, Helga, poor Helga, God, poor Helga. God damn, Tell <laughs> Helga got oh, screwed, man. but but yeah, although Helga Helga had his part in being a piece of shit too. I mean, a big part, but, but yeah, that's, what's so interesting about the show is like, I, I can't really think of anything that wasn't paid off on, like that was introduced and not paid off. I don't think there is anything. I could you, be you wrong. Brought up, Mike, you just saying that sort of sparked something in with, in me, which is maybe my one. And it's, it's the one part I've, I've sort of had trouble piecing out is Adam at one point kind of understands how everything works. So at, at some point in Adam's life, Adam understands that uh, he he starts having like real free will because he's seen how everything plays out. And it's like at that point, you can make a real change. But I think that and this comes down to Jackson, your whole thing about like a single line of dialogue would have gone a long way. But I don't think Adam has ever explicitly said it's saying like, no, we need to keep doing this because I'm afraid that if I do anything differently uh it's going to fuck things up in an uh, uh ir ir irredeemable irre irrevocable way um i just don't think he thinks that way right like he feels like he's the master of it, of the chessboard but he's also like its most abject slave sure right that's why i think he views himself like that mm. but i i think that to your point is that he's the closer he gets to the end, the less he knows and the end in his opinion. And he's wrong is the double ultra double apocalypse abortion. Yeah. He thinks yeah. that's the end of the line. Now, if you're Adam, you have to think beyond this event. He thinks he's going to disappear. So everything that leads up to that event, he, I think he dropped the fucking ball, which is fine from, from like a storytelling perspective, but don't tell me that Adam didn't consider any counterplays from Eva based on this, that all Eva needed to do was to create a simple loop mm. to make sure that two pregnant Martas existed at the same time. So what I think should have happened if you're Adam and you're going to perform this horrible thing to abort this, your baby is that like, why didn't he just go and like kill everyone? Yeah. If that's the end of the line, you go and you kill everyone that you possibly can to make sure, right, that this is going to work. From a moral perspective, he should have no problem doing that either, because to him, none of this shit should exist in the first place. The whole point is to get rid of it all. So anything he's done throughout the series that was awful, he has that built-in excuse of, well, it's awful, but... 
this is just an, uh, you know, abomination that shouldn't exist anyway. So fuck it. Right. Let's kill hmm. everyone. And he has no free will. Right. Yeah. And he yeah. doesn't. No one has any free will. I so, love that. I love that. That's yeah. why it's such a fucking dark show. Such nobody, a good show. Nobody has free will. And it is this, it says this really dark thing about like, if you are in a system or society or just in your life, if you are in a system where you keep doing the same thing and it is poisonous to you and those around you, that whole system just needs to come the fuck down. Like yeah. that's the whole point. And it's like, that's fucking great. Yeah. And I love the, it's what Marta and what Jonas do at the very end is the most responsible and the most like probably heroic thing I've seen in something in a long time where you're willing to literally forego your entire existence and everything that you knew so that it will never exist so that things can be better. The echoes of Jonas exist. Mm, yeah. Yeah. The, I love that. It was dude. so like, great. I love just it. Seeing, just seeing the raincoat at the end and being like, Jonas is like, that is a, dude, the raincoat moment. was, the raincoat was awesome. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. The, the yeah. show did a wonderful job. I mean, huge credit to them for tickling all the right places to finish the series. I mean, that yeah. last like five to 10 minutes was just fucking awesome. Uh, a couple things about the show generally. I love the montages at the end of every single episode, the musical montage moments that they have at every single episode. Um, you know, I still think back just as like a series retrospective. I knew I loved the show at the end of the third episode when they had the one where um, their faces as younger and older versions of themselves are shown next to each other. Just the way everything was done was so mind, mind-blowingly brilliant. And, and lastly, I will say, I, uh, I feel bad for anyone who doesn't give this show a chance because they don't want to read subtitles. I feel very bad for you as humans um, that you would miss out on this, uh, and I mean, we could talk about Parasite in that regard, um, but there are people who just can't do it or won't do it. And I will tell you that if there was ever a time to go ahead and go for it, this is the time. This show is the show. So, yep. Yeah, you're missing out on a lot of great content if you decide that you don't want to read while somebody's speaking on screen. Simply put. Dude, the older I get, I'd start turning on subtitles in English movies. More <laughs> but I like, what the fuck are they saying? Every if I have to rewind twice, I just fuck it and turn on subtitles. Yeah, there's certain there's certain dialects that even when they're speaking English, like you're like, oh shit, I don't understand what the hell. Like the witch that took me like five minutes into the witch to understand a goddamn word anyone was saying. I love you marvelous well. <laughs> <laughs> I love. I love that guy. That guy. I love that dude too. I love. Yeah, that he's dude great. Too. Uh, but yeah, I guess. Can we talk about Tanhouse? Yeah, let's talk about Tanhouse. Yeah, sure. Uh, Tanhouse is a fucking G. I love Tanhouse. Yeah, Tanhouse. Uh, you know, there's that line where he said, uh, I, "He he would move heaven and earth to save his kids," and uh, he did. That's exactly what he did. And he'll never. And he'll I never know. The fact that he'll never know. Never know is fucking incredible dude yeah it's such yes. a cool such a cool thought right and it's so cool to take a character that for 
two seasons, actually like 2.5. And you're like, well, he's, he's just, he's kind of there. But, he's a tool. You know. He's a tool. Yeah. He's like the, he's and like to the make him The impetus for the whole yes, thing right. is so just structurally. I, I just, I, I marvel at this show on a structural level yes. because it is so, I can't believe how they, they set up in payoffs and the divulgence of information is astonishing yeah there there if you go back and you look at uh i mean they did such a cool job of like tan house is like this super like humble dude like he's the most humble dude in winden yeah and he has involvement in the time machine in the original two worlds basically as the fulfillment of a bootstrap paradox which he is like keenly aware of his role right and yet and yet in the original world, Tanhouse is the only person to build a time machine from scratch on his own with yep. no bootstrap paradoxes involved because there's no time because he hasn't built it yet. And so, and the fact like he's this godlike figure who's also a, a watchmaker, right? Which is like definitely like a god metaphor, which is also a nod to Watchmen, uh, Jackson. You know, Dr. Manhattan's dad was a watchmaker and he talks about God as being a watchmaker and just all that symbolism there was just and I thought the actor was fabulous. I just think Tanhouse is like a fucking amazing character. Yeah, he was amazing. That's still, I mean, yeah, that's something we didn't even touch on. But the whole, you know, uh, biblical metaphors throughout the whole thing is I mean, it's 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 a show that is it it's it's the best type of show in that it invites second and third watchings because they're it's so thematically dense yeah and it's funny because there you know you would say that like a lot of that religious stuff i mean you know noah and adam and eve and all that shit a lot of that you could say is on the nose but all that shit exists in this world so that is the the prism they would view themselves in you know what i mean and and those names weren't given to them they gave them to themselves so yeah yeah well and i well and i think that if it's just doing it and to be like, oh, look, parallels. It's like, no, but I think it actually has something to say about the ideas that they actually present. Like the idea of Noah being like this guy who is trying to save all of existence, you know, and like maybe that's actually an inherently dark thing to do. Or the idea of Adam and Eve and the idea of binary choices. Like that's, it has things to say about those themes rather than just being like, hey, Let's let's uh, right. throw out some Bible stuff. Yeah. Did you guys notice that uh, when did uh, like original world Tanhouse appear? That the scenes where he's like tinkering with the time machine, they're actually banded. Yes. At the top and the bottom of the screen. I, I don't did know if you guys that. noticed that. Yeah. I did. Really? Which I thought was like super cool clue as to like what was going on. This is right? a third place. Yeah, right. this is this something is, this different. This is the original place. Right. This is the original place. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know how much more we, we want to talk about this. I know that we could probably talk about Dark for another two hours. but Yeah, we could. Um, yeah, we can move on. But yeah, that. let's, yeah. Uh, I mean, overall grade for the series, Home, we'll let you start. Uh, to me, this is like an A+. Plus. I, I, I love this show. I don't know if it's my favorite of all time, but it's certainly in the conversation. Mike? This is why we watch television. The show's like dark. It's fucking amazing. If you don't, I don't know, if you suck, well, sci fi is not my thing. That's fine. If you want to watch Slice of Life shit, that's fine. That's not fine, but, though. It, well, it's not fine for us. Right. But this is like, this is the kind of story that I 
eat the fuck up. Yes. A plus. Yeah, sweet. Now uh, I will point out that my buddy Nate here watched it dubbed. Um, so oh, so oh, he'll be oh, no. he'll be rotting oh, in no. hell for eternity. I think because that's <laughs> I, if I, you're I, gonna watch it dubbed, just don't watch it. Uh, <laughs> but yes, I would also give it an A plus. Uh, it's definitely on my list of favorite shows of all time. I think that it's fucking fantastic. I'm so glad that I saw it on Netflix and I decided to try it. You know, I, I'm just so happy that you know it exists to steal your words, Mike, it's nice for shows like this to exist and, and thoughtful science fiction and fantasy, um, I think says more about, uh, human nature and the trials and tribulations that we all go through probably more than, than, you know, realistic drama does in my opinion. That's the way I see it. So yeah, a plus we all give it an a plus. Um, this is where we typically do shit. We watch now, um, yeah, so I guess I'll start by saying, uh, we talked about a horror movie that missed the mark as far as metaphor earlier, um, in the episode when we talked about the monster, uh, I watched another brand new horror movie, um, called Relic, uh, yesterday and opposite experience. Um, and it was funny because it wasn't on the nose. It actually took thought process to figure out what they were trying to say, um, and essentially it's about an old woman who is going nuts and her daughter and granddaughter come to visit her and chaos ensues. It's very slow burn. It gets very intense in the last 15 or 20 minutes. Um, it's got, I believe her name's Emily Mortimer. She was in like, uh, the newsroom. I believe she was the mom in Paddington, um, or may have been. Uh, but yeah, a really good movie. Uh, if anybody's looking for something new to watch, uh, I would recommend it highly. So that's what I'll start with. Uh, Mike, what did you uh, watch, read, games you played, whatever, whatever you want to talk I wanna about. I want to expand my movie list because I didn't, I, I guess my, because uh, we talked about this the other day, I didn't have much. But throughout quarantine, I've been having, I have one quarantine buddy since the start and we've been watching a movie a week uh, for quite some time. So some things on my list, are Beetlejuice, Ooh. Midsummer, uh, Roadhouse, which I thought was actually amazing. Uh, it's good old it, Patrick. It's not amazing. Patrick it Swayze. Is not, it is not amazing. It's fucking amazing, <laughs> That movie but, is amazing. But he fucking sexes up the girl. He's like, I'm so tortured. I have to go sit out on the on the porch and have a cigarette. Dude, Patrick so tortured. He's the coolest motherfucker. He is the coolest. He just you over the head with it, for yes. sure. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I watched a documentary who killed Malcolm X because I just read his autobiography. I thought that was really good, although it was like from some cable. You know, you can tell you watch documentaries and it comes from cable and you're yes. like, God, we used to watch. This is all that there was. It's all padded out and filled with shit that's useless. And like that you can distill it down to the shit that's good right. and interesting. And it's like 20%. Of what the documentary was, anyway. Uh, but yeah, those are some of the things I've been watching. Now, you watch Beetlejuice. Was this your first time seeing Beetlejuice? Beetlejuice is one of the few movies I own Blu-ray. Beetlejuice so, is fucking amazing, dude. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing movie. I fucking love that Apparently, movie. we're getting a sequel. Now, I'm starting to get nervous by all these sequels that are being announced for shit that, like, you know, it's been too long. I know Coming to America is getting a sequel. Beetlejuice is getting a sequel. 
Um, some things I just feel like you shouldn't fuck with personally, but I feel like Beetlejuice sequel has been kicking around the internet for years though. I think it's that... like happening. I'm pretty sure. Is they, it? Yeah. They've yeah. gotten, uh, I believe Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin and Michael Keaton. So I think what that about it's happening. Uh, Winona Ryder? You can't make that's it true. Winona I think Ryder. she's probably signed on too. I mean, what else is she doing? Stranger things. That's it. Right. So I think so. But yeah, yeah home. How about you? Uh, anything in particular that you've watched, read uh, since since last we spoke? Uh, I haven't been watching a ton of TV, if I'm honest. I started. Uh, so I had a friend uh, recommend recommend to me uh, the anime Black Clover, um, and uh, I thought it sucked. I thought it royally <laughs> sucked. All right. Uh, well, you know, it's like the standard, like, I'm going to be the best. I'm going to be this guy. And, like, you got, like, your standard Goku character and your standard Vegeta character. And it's like, God damn, could you be any more formulaic? And, like, here's your shitty-ass magic system. You're like, it's, like, halfway explained. And you're like, well, I guess that's cool if I understood how the rules worked in this world to know what's cool and what's not. Because it's, 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 it's like... Oh, it's a magic world where you can become the wizard king is what it's called. And and everybody gets a magical book that appears out of nowhere. And and now you can learn spells. And it's like this motherfucker just like had a book come out of nowhere. And of course, like he's the main character. So he's got like, oh, there's it's a five leaf clover. So like that means he's extra special. Uh, but he's like, oh, I don't terrible. It's fucking awful, dude. It's fucking, yeah. oh, it's straight dog shit. And then it's like, oh, okay, cool. So you got this idea of magicians and like maybe you could introduce like different types and it's kind of like an RPG where some are effective against others and blah, blah, blah. But no, no, no. It's just kind of like, I can do whatever. And also uh, I can train my magical powers by swinging a heavy sword around and hitting a tree. Like, fuck you. That's so lazy. That's like every, like, oh, let me go and train in ultra gravity. Fucking dog shit. Dude, have you, uh, speaking of anime, I feel like Jackson doesn't watch anime. No. Have we, have you been working on this over the past few years? Because I think there are certain animes that like, it's almost criminal that Jackson has never seen. I like, got him, I got him to watch most of Death Note. Okay. Yeah, I still need to finish Death Note. I thought Death Note was awesome. Actually, Jackson, I think you need to watch Berserk. I keep hearing that. I where is it? Is it on? Where can I find the? Unfortunately, original? there are like nine different versions of Berserk. <laughs> yeah. Of course, that's the uh, one that needs to be watched. Right. It's the one that's and, impossible. And there is there is specifically you need to watch the OG one that's just animated because they're like these. There's like shitty versions of the same because the manga is ongoing. I don't read fucking mangas. I don't know, but it's still ongoing. But there's a specific storyline that they made several different animes from. And yeah. the one you don't want to watch is like the partial CGI garbage anime type animation, which looks like trash. But it's, there's one oof. from the 90s that's just drawn. And it's one of the greatest. Jackson, you would eat this shit up. I promise. Yeah, you. I mean, I have, no, I have no aversion to it. Yeah, I just have. I'll, gone I'll dig up a way. link on Amazon or if you want to buy it. I don't know. Yeah, I'll send me set, something. I'll set, I'll send you something. Uh, you should also watch Cowboy Bebop because everyone should watch. Cowboy I've heard Bebop. that's great. I've heard yeah. that's yep. great too. It's one of the it's one of the greatest. So yeah, Cowboy Bebop is seminal. We got Jackson to watch Akira. Okay, uh, that I've was seen uh, Akira in a long time. I need to watch it again. 
that's an experience and a half. Yeah, you know, I reaction. that's one of those like I uh, and you can go back and listen to episode 100 if you want to hear the review of it. But um, but uh, yeah, that was one where I appreciated it because it looked so fucking cool. But I had 20 minutes into it. I had no fucking idea what was happening. I was so lost. I, you know, my brain couldn't comprehend apparently what the fuck was going on so if you don't love berserk i will eat my hat okay that's like <laughs> tailor made for you jackson i'll have to check you it out would, you would love that i shit. uh i watched uh so much shit that i'm not going to get into it all today i mean i have in the last week i was saying 10 to 15 movies i think um but i did watch one thing uh right now at barnes and noble they have a 50 percent off criterion collection disc sale going on um and if anybody doesn't know what criterion is uh basically they you know they remaster movies on blu-ray and you know fuck with all the sound it's all great um but i am a terrence malick fan so i know a lot of people don't really like terrence malick he's very slow burn there's hardly any dialogues in, the, in his movies but he made like the thin red line the new world tree of life um but i had never seen uh, I, I ran into a movie randomly that I had never heard of or seen called Days of Heaven. And it's a 1978 uh, movie starring Richard Gere, uh, super young Richard Gere. I think it must have been one of his first movies, I would imagine. Um, but essentially, it almost felt like a Steinbeck type story it's about a guy who works at like a metal shop in like new york city or chicago or something he accidentally kills his um his uh his supervisor and he ends up going on a journey to texas with his girlfriend and his little sister and the girlfriend he has he pretends is his sister as well uh and they end up at this this like uh wheat farm in texas and it's just a fucking beautiful movie but the plot is basically that um the guy who runs the wheat farm the rich guy he's like this lonely tragic character who falls in love with the girlfriend of richard gear and richard gear basically says like yeah go for it like we can just run this thing this scheme on this guy where you know we'll finally be set you know, they've had to bounce around from place to place. And as you can imagine, a secretive love triangle uh, is not going to work out well. Very tragic story. Um, but I did want to bring it up because it was fucking awesome. It was really good, dude. Really. What's it really called again? Good. It's called Days of Heaven. Okay. And it's like beautiful. I mean, the, Terrence Malick is known for... Uh, you know, I forget the guy who does the cin cinematography for him. I think it's pretty much always the same guy, but like, if you've ever seen the thin red line, it's a world war two movie, um, huge cast, like George Clooney, bunch of people are in it. Um, but they're like, it, there's hardly anything spoken. And, um, I was watching some of the supplemental interviews with the actors and shit. And apparently they were all pretty frustrated after this one because they go through the arduous task of like getting all the dialogue, right. And, you know, making sure everything's perfect. And then when they see the final cut of the film, most of their lines and most of the dialogue is gone. It's not even in the movie. You know, mm. so I uh, I thought it was great. Highest recommendation. Um, yeah, so that's it. That's all I'll talk about. I watched uh, a bunch of random horror movies too, but uh, we'll save that for another time because nobody wants to hear about that shit. So, you know. 
But uh, yeah, uh, that has pretty much been another episode of Bored and Annoyed. We'll call it Bored and Annoyed today because home is here. Uh, special guest spot. Yes, yeah, special guest spot. But uh, thank you, Mike, for for joining. I really appreciate it, and I think you were perfect for this. So I hope that you'll uh, return and talk about more random shit. Uh, yeah, it was a blast. Thanks for having me, man. I'd love to come back sometime. Sweet. Sure. And home. Thank you for uh, for stopping by. Yeah, not a problem. You couldn't go too long, could you? You know, I mean. Nope. I... Well, yeah, <laughs> I'm going out to the. Uh... The real world. <laughs> yeah. Is that your mask? Is that your functional mask? Uh, for the listeners, Home has a bandana. He looks like a, a gang member from the Warriors or something. Um, you do, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Especially with that sick haircut, man. Look at that. But yes, that is that what you've up. been going to the grocery store in? Nice. You're visiting Pick and Save in that? Or do you have your own? Yeah, yeah. yeah man. All right. Catch me at Pick and Save. Catch me outside. <laughs> yeah, there, there you go. Catch me outside. I'll see you there home all right guys thank you so much for tuning in and uh we'll be back uh soon